HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Cutting the Curd, episode 235. Just a quick public public service announcement. Um, If you haven't visited heritageradionetwork.org lately, stop what you're doing right now and check it out. We have a super swanky new website. Um, It's much easier to browse and find related uh, content from other podcasts on our radio station. And coolest of all, the new website makes it easier for you guys to be engaged in what we're doing. We love, love, love hearing from you. Um, We love getting your comments and your questions. So check out heritageradionetwork.org and tweet your thoughts from the episode page. Can't wait to hear from you. Let's start some meaningful conversations about cheese. Very exciting. So if you couldn't tell, this isn't your usual host, Greg Blaze. I'm Emily Acosta, and today I'm super excited to talk all things water buffalo. So on the line, I have Addie Raghaven. Am I saying your name right? Yeah, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. It's just Okay. No, tell, tell. Uh, it should be Raghavan. Raghavan. Well, sorry about yeah, that. I should have clarified that with you before. Uh, cheese consultant extraordinaire, uh, cheese maker. Um, and we also have Brian Foley of Riverine Ranch uh, in New Jersey on the line. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm very excited to have both of you on. Um, so after the break, we're going to be hearing a pre-recorded segment with Bruno Gritti of Quattroportoni, which is a water buffalo cheese producer in northern Italy. Um, but for now, we're turning our attention to North America and to Southeast Asia, of which Brian and Addie, you know quite a bit about. Um, so first, I wanted to actually clarify for our listeners uh, that when I say water buffalo, um, if you may or may not know, um, water buffalo is actually a completely different animal from the American buffalo. Um, so it's not the animal that you kind of associate when you when you look at pictures of Yellowstone National Park or a um, place like that. If you get um, bice, a bison burger, it's a completely different animal. Um, so Brian, you have a herd of water buffalo. 
Um, in New Jersey. Do you get that question a lot uh, about whether it's a bison or a buffalo, what the difference is? Yes, yeah. Um, we're at the farmer's markets in uh, New York City, and uh, pretty much every day we hear, you know, people are inquisitive and asking, uh, uh, is it a bison or is it a water buffalo? And uh, then once we say mozzarella uh, be buffalo, most people know that. Um, it is a completely different animal. Uh, they actually, um, there's different things, and so there's, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. So you, mostly, yeah, that's sort of how I clarify for people, too. I'm like, no, oh, so mozzarella de bufala from southern Italy, um, from Campania. And when I teach classes about mozzarella, I usually tell folks it's not the animal that you associate with Yellowstone. It's more if you see any photos of a like an Asian rice paddy, those animals that are kind of um, helping along with the tractors and things like that. That's the animal that we should be picturing. Um, so tell us a little bit about your herd of water buffalo. How many do you have and... Uh, how did you end up uh, getting a herd of water buffalo in New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. We started about 10 years ago um, raising them. We, uh, we purchased some from uh, Vermont um, and also some from Texas and Arkansas. There are a lot of small herds throughout the United States that are growing. It's growing in uh, popularity where a lot of small um, herds are starting up. Uh, Delaware and Maine, um, ourselves in New Jersey. Uh, California has some uh, water buffalo, um, and it's a matter of uh, raising the animal um, from calves and raising up your own herd, mm-hmm. and um, really keeping it at, at st- uh, very low stress for the animal, mm-hmm. getting quality milk from the animal. And were you when you first started? Um looking into raising water buffalo, were you thinking primarily of meat or um, were you thinking that you would wanted to make some cheese from their milk? Yeah, the cheese from the milk. Uh, they're very, um, they're, they're great at uh, grazing, I guess. Um, they're they're uh, evolved basically in um, third, third, world, third world countries where um, maybe not, not as much uh, forage is uh, for them. Mm-hmm. So we, we thought that uh, grazing here, uh, we can make a quality meat and a quality milk to make cheese as well. Awesome. So, Addy, we had a great conversation earlier today. Um, and I wanted uh, to hear a little bit from you. What is so special about water buffalo um, compared to maybe other species that we think of when we think of uh, milk and when we think of cheese, like cows, goats, or sheep? What makes the animals oh, so, so special in the milk? Yeah, well, I I actually think uh, water buffalo is uh, it, it's interesting. The milk is very wide. It doesn't uh, they don't uh, for some reason uh, uh, express any of the beta carotones that normally that cow cow milk uh, or cows cows would in their milk. And uh, I feel like the the protein structure uh, is is very different for water buffalo. And then and I feel like the the, the casein density is very high, which is why you get curds that are really, uh, really tight and held together very well. Uh, it's very easy to make a cheese that's, that gets dry really fast with water buffaloes, mm. with water buffalo milk. Even, even a, even like a, a brie or, or, or camembert could get dry very easily in a high humidity environment because of that uh, high uh, protein density there. Uh, and of course, it has a lot of fat, very high fat percentage. Uh, in India, it's, it's of course used. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a very high yielding uh, 
milk for making uh, cream and, and butter and, and ghee, which is clarified uh, butter, which is very common, uh, of course, uh, dairy products in India. So, so, so buffalo milk becomes a pretty uh, good source for that kind of stuff because of the high fat percentage there. Hmm, that's really interesting. So, um, so you worked with water buffaloes milk um, in India. I found out we have a mutual friend, Mansi Jasani, who was on our show a few months ago. Hello, Mansi. How are you? She owns the Cheese Collective um, out of Mumbai. But anyway, um, so tell us a little bit more about water buffalo in India. Are there um, a lot of herds there? Is it very common for you to find water buffalo milk? It is very common. It's uh, like like the, the generic image of uh, of countryside in India, in most parts of India, is, you know, a bunch of buffaloes and, and a few cows as well just walking around uh, and grazing uh, on their own, maybe maybe a shepherd uh, walking them, but but invariably they're on their own and they come back home at night, kind of, you know, that, that, that kind of uh, situation in most villages. It's uh, like most uh, uh, most people... The cow is a very sacred animal in India. So, so even though cows milk, uh, uh, cows tend to give higher yield in terms of uh, of quantity. Cows milk would be slightly more expensive in India because it's it's like uh, heralded as this uh, this holy, you know, this, this this it has this religious aspect to it. But uh, with buffalo milk, uh, you see all sorts of dairy products all over India made using buffalo milk. In- invariably, also mixed milk, simply because there's not. Uh, uh, these are these are as far as cheese goes. They they, they are you know they are uh, direct acidified cheeses like paneer and, and softer cheeses in that class. So it doesn't really matter if you mix the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. is that sort of uh, does that help you? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's very interesting. Um, so, but you're now you're based in Canada, correct? And you're okay. sort of just cheese consultant. And I know you guys have met. I sort of internet stalked both of you. Or internet. Yeah. I meant by internet, I meant Instagram. Um, right. Yeah. And saw that you guys have, uh, I guess, collaborated on some stuff a few weeks ago. Or just you went, kind of went there to visit. Um, right. Yeah. So what did you think of, uh, Addy? what did you think of uh, Brian's herd over there in Jersey? Oh, okay. Well, my first... Uh so I'm not uh, very well versed with the different breeds of uh, of, of buffaloes. Uh, now Brian has the river the river Rhine breed of buffaloes. That's the name of his farm as well. But uh, one of my first observation, I remember telling Brian this, is that boy, these animals are so big. They're just huge animals. I don't mean they're fat or whatever. They're just big boned, way bigger than the buffaloes you see in India. Oh, wow. And I just I couldn't believe that. Yeah, it's like this weird uh, thing. And uh, and yeah, they're definitely more hairy. Indian buffaloes would be less hairy again because they are they are more suited for the tropical climate in India. So, so that's a big difference. And apart from that, the milk seemed very 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 familiar. In this, when I was making like like we 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 made a we made a couple of batches of mozzarella, and I was like playing with the curds and all that. It felt very familiar. It it felt like like something I would do in India with the milk there. Mm-hmm. So there's that similarity in 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 the actual milk, even though the animals did appear quite different. That's really so. That's really interesting to me. I um I attended uh, the water buffalo milk um seminar at the American Cheese Society conference this year, which is what the second segment of this episode is going to be about. Um, and I guess I had never really thought that much about different breeds of water buffalo. To me, water buffalo, I always think of 
a mozzarella di bufala, but I never really thought like which breed of water buffalo is most commonly found in the Mediterranean. And apparently it's the Mediterranean breed of water buffalo, which um, we're going to learn more about. But um, Brian, how did you decide which breed to um, to have at, at your farm? Um, we were kind of fortunate because uh, the American breed is actually its own breed. Uh, it came through Tobago and Trinidad. Um, it does have characteristics from India. Um, and, yes, um, a lot of it uh, started out in Vermont where they did start bringing in the Mediterranean uh, genes to the animal. But the nice thing is that it's, the American herd is almost its own breed. Uh, but like you said, there's so many species Turkey, I think there's 12 altogether, uh, Turkey, uh, Middle Eastern, Egypt, um, and in the United States herd, we have characteristics of everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much an American herd, which is kind of nice. Do you think that there are um, advantages to the breed that you have versus the Mediterranean breed? Have you ever um, experienced or worked with uh, the Mediterranean uh, milk? Uh, I, I like to think that there is. Um, it's, uh, I'm not positive, but the, the animal uh, here in the United States uh, is good for meat. Um, where uh, they were, there was down in uh, Tobago, there was a professor that was adding genes um, in there for meat um, and milk animal, which makes it uh, nice for a farmer. Um, mm-hmm. And the uniqueness of the milk is uh, being from worldwide. Now, Italy also um, brought genes in from um, from elsewhere too. Uh, India, India is the leader uh, milk-wise uh, producing. So uh, the Mora is, uh, if you're looking to uh, add genetics to your herd for for milk, uh, you would add Mora, mm-hmm. the uh, Indian breed. Mm-hmm. But um, for us in the United States, it's more. Um, adding um, confirmation and building the herd within the United States. It's a unique herd. Uh, it's what we have here. And uh, you can make a lot of different um, things, yogurts, uh, butters, and anything from the milk. And you could also have a meat product, which makes it unique. Yeah. There was actually something really interesting um, on your website about the water buffalo as a conservation tool. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on that, because I thought that was really um, interesting, using water buffalo as, sort of as a as a um, means to care for the land. Yes. Uh, uh, the biggest thing now in conservation is water. And um, we have watershed in New Jersey. Um, and all along the, north, uh, the northeast, we have a big problem problem of invasive plant species like Phragmites. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the water buffalo, the water buffalo, if I let my water buffalo out with no fences, they would go around rivers and um, they would, around the delta, and they would graze those areas, wetland areas and also riverbank areas. Um, they wouldn't get foot rod and they're kind of suited for that area. Um, as these invasive plant species come in to these wetland areas, which is basically our filter for our clean water, um, these invasive plant species will take over that area and kill the ecosystem. We're using the water buffalo to come in and graze in there, and they're doing a fantastic job um, and then bringing back the ecosystem, the birds, the turtles, um, hmm. the turtles, and they're kind of in nature's 
nature's little secret. I mean, yeah. For the United States, we see it as a, like an underutilized animal, and uh, they're very docile, and we see um, they have a very low impact on the land um, compared to any, any really um, other milking herd animal. Um, they, they need less um, to, to produce a rich milk. Yeah. Which is something now uh, we're looking for you know, as, as farmers to keep a low impact on the land and get a high quality product. Absolutely. And Addie and I were sort of discussing this earlier when we were talking on the phone about um, uh, I had heard water buffalo referred to as sort of the divas of the of the milk <clears throat> the uh, milk-producing you know, for cheese kind of animal. Um, and I was wondering if you could, maybe, Addie, if you could talk a little bit about uh, that and um, what you think um, of water buffalo, because they sort of have a reputation for being difficult, um, and I don't know if that's true or not. Well, uh, of course, Brian is the, is, the, is the real farmer here, but uh, and he might laugh when I say this, but I do think they're a bit of, uh, they're, they're drama queens. Like when I went into a milking parlor, they were like just like a few of them, and it might be a personality trait as well, because some of them were just really unimpressed that I was there. It was like their space, and they're like, what the hell are you doing here, you know? It was like that. And I just found that uh, that funny, because, uh, I mean, I've worked on uh, on a sheep, a sheep farm as well as, uh, uh, as, uh, as a regular cow farm, and I feel like with cows and, and sheep, I, I don't notice that, that behavior. So it's funny, but, but it's cute. It's yeah. still a cute story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that perhaps that sort of like that diva reputation is what um, folks will point to when they think like, oh, well, that's why we don't have water buffalo, lots of water buffalo herds here in the U.S. And that's why we don't have lots of water buffalo cheese here in the U.S., um, is sort of the difficulty of raising that animal and have it produce milk for you. Um, Brian, do you think that that is, reputation is true, or do you think um, there's potential perhaps for more folks to raise water buffalo um, here in the U.S.? Yeah, no, I mean, um, there is some truth to it, but it's it's just more labor um, involved in it, and the more, the more kind and nice you are to the animal, the... Uh, and that's, I think, where they get that fever. Um, and Addie knows that we kind of pamper each each one individually. But the more you do for them, the more they'll give to you. And really, that's the way it should be. They are producing a fantastic milk. So they get to be the talent, you know, to say. And you have to kind of, you know, do this each individual one, each individual animal will like its own stool, will like certain things, like its back scratch or doesn't like its back scratch. If you know those things and uh, do those things for it, they'll produce it. So I see it as a great idea for people to get involved with uh, because you can make so many wonderful products from it uh, in the United States. And uh, I think people are kind of now realizing and turning their heads and saying, wait a second, this is a fantastic animal. And maybe we should, uh, you know, put a little effort and and um, time. We've been raising them for a decade now, and uh, it's 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 a long road, but I think it's worth it. Uh, and I think Addie thought so too when we were working with the milk. It was, you know, it's fantastic, and it's uh, oh yeah, yeah. The cheese, milk. the cheese that comes out of uh, water buffalo's milk is. Um, 
super delicious. So, or at least the ones that I've had from from Northern Italy and from uh, Southern Italy. I don't think I've had any United States water buffalo cheese. I know that they exist, but I haven't tried them, any of them yet. Um, but I would love to ask both of you um, if there's one sort of takeaway that you want our listeners to walk away with and or if uh, you know anyone wants to learn more about water buffalo and about water buffalo um, in the U.S. and North America, because obviously out of here in Canada, um, what would that be? And I guess we'll start with uh, Brian. Um, I would say that if, uh, if anyone is interested in uh, water buffalo farming or uh, on a culinary end, please uh, contact us. Um, we we really enjoy trying different things. Uh, Addie, Addie came down and showed us a whole world of uh, paneer and uh, uh, mozzarella and all his thoughts, and we like to have other people uh, do the same. Um, and it doesn't have to be... Um, it could be pastries, it could be uh, yogurts, it could be anything. And uh, to us, I think uh, we should all kind of look to expand. Uh, and there's many species of water buffalo to look at. Um, and that's my takeaway would be to see if more people get involved and, uh, and see what comes out of it. And there's a lot of great things that could come out of this, you know. It's a great milk. Yeah, absolutely. And how about you, Addie? What what sort of final thoughts do you have? Well, I'll, I'll talk more about the cheese-making aspect. Uh, for me, I think, uh, and maybe this is a little uh, premature to say that, but I feel like uh, buffalo milk is, is, is the next frontier as cheese-making goes because uh, it, uh, there are very few producers in the world who are making this cheese, and uh, and I hope more people will get into it because we need more minds to, to put, at work for to make really good buffalo milk cheese. Uh, invariably, the cheese uh, it, it's it, it's it's great for pasta filata cheeses, but we still I think uh, we're still at a stage where we're figuring out how to make amazing you know washed washed rind cheeses as well as uh, whether or not if, if possible at all whether or not we could make uh, aged cheeses six to eight months uh, aged cheeses in this category of milk and that's something that I personally am really interested in uh, sort of uh, propagating ahead in future of course mozzarella di buffalo having local North American mozzarella di buffalo currently uh, I don't think anyone's doing it mm-hmm. I know there's there maybe maybe a couple in Canada but I don't know if anyone's doing it in the U.S. So I think there is uh, something to be said about having local mozzarella, even if we live uh, in where we can get mozzarella people for that in, in Absolutely. Um, yeah, very cool. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. And um, if uh, all of you out there have Instagram, um, I'm going to post later um, a tagging um both of you guys on uh, at cutting the curd um so check out instagram um and thank you both and we're going to just take a quick break and then uh have another segment about water buffalo
Dairy Farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. This is Emily Acosta, and we're about to listen to a segment that was recorded at the American Cheese Society Conference early this year with uh, Greg Blaze and um, uh, Quattro Portoni. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd. We're broadcasting live from the American Cheese Society Conference in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, we're very lucky to have with us today um, Mr. Bruno Gritti um, of Quattro Portoni, uh, a buffalo milk producer in uh, in Italy that makes fantastic cheese. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, voi, grazie. <laughs> um, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us today. I know that you just got out of a seminar where you were discussing... Um, Buffalo milk and buffalo milk cheeses. Um, okay. Um, for our listeners um, that don't know, um, I was wondering if you could explain to us a little bit about Quattro Portoni and how you came to work with it and uh, what it's all about. Do you have a question? 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 We're a company that's located in Colonia Sede in the province of Bergamo. Sì, abbiamo iniziato la nostra attività nel 1980 con l'allevamento di mucche e successivamente ci siamo sviluppati fino a avere quasi mille mucche in stalla per poi convertire il nostro allevamento da mucche a bufale. Bruno and his brother Alfio started in 1982 as um, herders of cows. And as they were doing that for a long period of time, they decided to make a switch to Buffalo, which didn't happen or start to happen until the year 2000. The lovely voice you hear is that of Michelle Buster, who's translating for us today. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks. Um, so it was originally uh, cows, you say? Sì, siamo in una regione tipicamente vocata all'allevamento di mucche. And um, pardon me if I already asked, but why, uh, why buffalo milk cheeses? What was so interesting about them? And how did you get into the, you know, to get into making them and all of the different styles? You make mature styles or aged buffalo milk cheeses. Most of the, the buffalo cheese in the near past, um, now things are changing. Uh, most of the cheese in the, near, in the near past that I've dealt with as a cheesemonger has always been very fresh. All we ever got was mozzarella di bufala, but you make wonderful soft ripened cheeses like uh, quadrello di bufala and cassatica and morgello and the blue di bufala. What inspired you to make those cheeses? Come sapete, sì, perché ho iniziato a fare formaggio, formaggio di bufala. Diciamo che la nostra era una scelta quella di fare il formaggio che avevamo pensato da parecchio tempo. Non l'abbiamo mai fatto quando levavamo le mucche, le vacche, perché per noi era importante fare un prodotto diverso, nuovo, che avesse un significato dal punto di vista del mercato. So, Bruno says that when they 
had cows, everybody around them made cheese, and they made cheese from cow's milk, so it wasn't interesting. <coughs> but once they decided to raise buffalo, they wanted to make cheese, and they wanted to make cheese based on, kind of based on the traditions that they had in Lombardy and the rest of Italy, but also different. What was the reception uh, in Italy when you started making these cheeses, uh, especially, you know, making them, you know, using the traditional recipes of Lombardia? Il comportamento di tutti gli italiani, di tutti questi nuovi formaggi stagionati, però con latte di bufala, si sono piaciuti, si erano Se devo essere sincero, eh, ho avuto meno difficoltà a vendere i nostri formaggi all'estero e a farlo conoscere all'estero. In Italia si è molto più legati alla tradizione e all'abitudine a consumare quello che si conosce. It was much more difficult for him in Italy because people were used to their traditions and he had much more success to start with in the export. Why, why do you think uh, that is? Is it just that they, were, that they wanted their traditional cheeses or was there something fundamentally different about the way the cheese is tasted that made it more difficult for you to introduce it to the Italian market? Sì, in Italia esiste una mentalità per cui uno è italiano e quindi conosce tutto quello che riguarda il cibo. He says, in Italy, the mentality is we're Italian, we know what Italian and what's ours and we know what we like. Questo non succede per le persone curiose come Michel, per cui se vuole un prodotto nuovo, prima di tutto lo vuole provare. That doesn't exist for people like myself who are curious and are open-minded to just say, hey, let's give this a try. So, well, just in, uh, for posterity's sake when did when when did quattro portoni come to be when when was the when were the first cheeses that you made ma il primo formaggio l'abbiamo fatto se non sbaglio il 23 di febbraio del 2000 del 2006 una cosa del un'ora specifica sì praticamente sì perché era la prima volta che facevamo formaggio so he said more or less i think it was february 23rd 2006. I asked if he knew the exact time, but he didn't tell me. E l'ora 15? Sì, intorno alle 11 e mezza del mattino. Possibly around 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> Have you changed uh, people's minds in Lombardia? Are they buying your cheese and loving it now? Because it's very good. Sì, diciamo che solo quelli più accorti, quelli più eh, interessati anche al formaggio, si sono accorti che questi sono formaggi che hanno un potenziale molto interessante. In Italia. Sì, in Italia. Says, all of the people with an open mind and a little bit quick have realized that there is a lot of potential for Certainly. this cheese. So, um, how is uh, how is milking a water buffalo different? How how is this the operation? Get you know just getting the milk out of those guys different from the, getting it from the cows. Come diverso lattare la bufala che la mucca? Beh, hanno un carattere diverso per certi gli animali, le bufale e le mucche. Per certi versi sono più gestibili le mucche, per altri versi sono più gestibili le bufale. Some of the characteristics are easier with cows and some are easier with buffalo for milking, but they are very different. What's the most difficult part of getting the milk out of the buffalo? Qual è? Scusa? La parte più difficile di mungere... 
I've Number heard that they're temperamental, or the animals are that, that sometimes mm-hmm. they just don't want to give you the milk. Yeah. Is that is that, is that true? Sì, sì, esatto. La parte più difficile è quella. Bisogna creare le condizioni ambientali giuste, la calma, il silenzio, perché le bufale non si devono agitare. Sono animali timidi. Se si agitano, non danno latte. He said, "You're absolutely right." He said, "You've got to make them feel really, really comfortable and calm, and it's got to be silent, and only then will they have the trust and not be scared." And be willing to um, give up their milk. That's really interesting. So, do they do they know you or the people personally? If someone different comes in to to milk them or to deal with them, they're like they don't want to deal with that. They don't want that. They don't want that person around. That's how I am mostly. Lo, diciamo, inquadrano subito. He said that they know right away. He said they know everybody who milks them, everybody in the company, and they know right away if it's somebody different. See, my mother taught me not to talk to strangers when I was a kid, so I'm exactly that way. If I don't know you, I don't know. I don't know if I trust you yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so... In 1945, um, there were around uh, 12,000 water buffalo um, bred for milk production, and um, today you've got about 970,000, which is a massive amount um, of water buffalo. And I was wondering if you could tell us why that increased so much. Una ragione specifica non la conosco, probabilmente è dipeso proprio dal momento storico. C'è stato un grande incremento nell'economia italiana dopo la guerra e con questo ha inciso anche lo sviluppo dell'allevamento della bufala. Probabilmente prima non era considerato un animale interessante, dopodiché invece si è vista una potenzialità in questo animale. He said he doesn't have a concrete reason or a scientific data, but he said after the war um, the economy improved. Okay. So people had more acquisitive power. Um, buffalo milk became a more viable option. People didn't know it that much. And when they investigated with it, that it seemed that there was more potential for business and that he feels that that might be the reason for this is, rapid growth. Is it because, uh, and I've heard uh, or in my research, that, that, the, that the water buffalo will are less, even though they're choosy about the people they want to deal with them, they all, they're less choosy about the vegetation that they eat, and that probably makes them a lot easier to tend, I would imagine, or the land doesn't have to be as perfect as it would for cows. Eh, quello che mi ha sempre detto sono rustici sì, certo. chiede se sono rustici sono facili mangiano quello che trovano non è che sono difficili in quel modo di fare sì da questo punto di vista sono animali che sfruttano molto bene i foraggi che hanno a disposizione sono animali rustici che, eh, che non si ammanano che durano a lungo anche questo è uno dei motivi fondamentali per cui la mandria generale di bufale può incrementarsi più velocemente che quella di bovini So he said, um, yes, that is definitely absolutely. He said that they're easier animals when it comes to eating, eating what they find on the earth. They're also animals that are sturdier and hardier. They don't um, get injured as much. And all of these influence in the part that also to the lineage that makes it easier to having a stronger lineage and nucleus of buffalo and healthier animal because they take care of the genealogy so that they eventually now breed and do it to have very healthy animals. So therefore you have the increase in the population. That's great. So if you can get them to give you the milk, they, they're, they're good to have around, basically. If you, can, if you can get them to do what you need them to do, then, then they can last for a long time. I like that. That's, uh, that's good. I like 
I'm, I like things that are stubborn. I'm a very stubborn person myself. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you specifically about one of your cheeses, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm never knowing if I pronounce it right. I pronounce it uh, Casatica. Um, but then people come and tell me it's Casatica. It's not, right? I can stand by that when yes. people come up to my counter and tell me I'm not pronouncing it right. So it's Casatica di Bufala, right? Yes. Thanks. I, I won that. I won that battle. I'm happy about that. Um, and now the, the origins of that cheese, um, which is probably our most popular cheese at Italy that we sell of yours, um, people love it. It's rich. It's mellow, um, approachable, um, and it's very consistent. You guys are really consistent. It comes in the same t- the same way all the time, and we really love it. Um, but it, it came about as a type of a, as an accident almost, right? Um, it was you were attempting to make like a cacciotta or something like that, and then um, suddenly you had the casatica. So how did that happen? Sì, e succede come tutte le volte che si cerca di fare una ricetta nuova che durante la, il percorso si decide di cambiare strada no? allo stesso modo è successo con la casatica volevamo fare una cacciotta ma il sapore della cacciotta che era stata prodotta non ci piaceva abbiamo cambiato la ricetta abbiamo aggiunto le muffe abbiamo cambiato la forma è stata un'evoluzione che è durata qualche tempo e dopodiché quando è uscita la casatica and it was more or less of an accident just that like what they were making sort of helped determine what the eventual was they made the uh, semi-soft table cheese yeah. and they weren't happy with it uh-huh. so they changed it here they're like let's add a little mold here let's change the shape so they kept trial and error trial and error stuff. Until finally they came out with something that they just like fell in love with and said, this is it, and this is what we want, and we're calling you Casatica. Now, I know you probably aren't supposed to say that, but what's your favorite Quattro Portoni cheese? My mio prodotto preferito è il blu di bufala. Blu di bufala? Sì. He's been saying the blue di bufala. È quello che mi è costata più fatica, per cui... He was the most disical and stubborn, and that's why he he likes it the most, because he's the most satisfied with the outcome. I think uh, you and I should um, um, have some drinks together later. I I, I like that. I like that idea. Um, So what's your opinion uh, on water buffalo production or the dearth of water buffalo production in America? Um, Do you think it's because... uh, People maybe aren't as patient to work with the animals here to get the milk uh, because it seems like we have a lot of land. Maybe we should uh, start, you know, taking uh, taking an interest in raising these animals for milk. Per qual è l'opinione su che cosa? Non ho capito bene. Perché non ci sono i bufali qua? Perché ci sono così pochi allevatori di bufali qua? Vuole sapere qual è la tua opinione e il perché? Beh, diciamo che la popolazione di bufali adatti all'allevamento è fondamentalmente quella italiana. Per cui gli animali vanno portati dall'Italia se si vogliono levare qui. Um, he said to have any success here, first and foremost, that their only success rate would come from having an Italian buffalo. So that would be the first thing that dictates why and if there's any success to it. Why is that? Perché? Perché il nucleo di bufali italiani è una razza specifica, si chiama bufala mediterranea, è quella che ha le migliori attitudini per produrre latte. Già produciamo pochissimo latte. Se non abbiamo neanche la razza giusta, rischiamo di avere buffalo, una, una produzione troppo bassa. The buffalo already produce so little milk, so they need to have a good lineage. And the Mediterranean buffalo that comes out of Italy is the best. This nucleus, which they call the founder's effect, has been the basage for them breeding really good buffalo that produce a good quantity of milk over time. 
And without that, if you don't have it, then you'll never get that milk from the buffalo, like you sure. were saying. So it'll just be, uh, it won't be very sustainable uh, in the long term. Um, and other than having those breeds, what's, uh, what are your uh, efforts uh, to maintain sustainability in the Quattro Portoni um, organization? La sostenibilità del nostro allevamento è fondamentalmente legata a un'attività che abbiamo intrapreso insieme a altre 21 aziende che è quella di gestire tutti i rifiuti dell'azienda in un grande impianto di, di gestione per la produzione di biogas e quindi la produzione di energia elettrica che viene venduta e che serve per ripagare tutto l'impianto. Il risultato è che siamo riusciti a contenere la produzione di nitrati e di rispettare le normative e quindi avere un allevamento sostenibile. So they grow 99% of their feed for the animals, one, but two, they got together with 21 other companies to um, create biogas from the waste. Oh, wow. And they create the biogas to produce elect uh, energy, which then they sell off that can repay for all of the enormous costs that they have to have a sustainable dairy. The rest of the part of the waste is compacted down, they remove the uh, nitrogen, and then they use that back for the fields. What happens to all of the whey that's produced? Where do you where do you send that down? Do you send that down to like a prosciuttificio or does that get fed to hogs somewhere along the line? No, il, il siero viene completamente riutilizzato in azienda nell'alimentazione delle bufale, per cui lo riutilizziamo per quello. They feed the animals with the whey. Ah, that's fantastic. So everything stays on the on the farm or in and around the farm one way or another. Yes. What's um, do you have any plans to make a new cheese for us in the future? Eh, sì, abbiamo in mente, anzi qualcosa abbiamo già prodotto, sì. tipo un brù di bufala affinato nella birra che we have outside he just won an award actually for a new cheese called Surfing Blue. Oh yes. Which is the blue de bufala that's been uh, soaked in uh, Tocamalto's uh, surfing hop beer. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's, I know it doesn't have a lot to do with buffalo milk production, but have you noticed how many more breweries have popped up in Italy over, say, the last like five or six years? You guys are brewing tons of beer over there now. Have you seen how many more breweries there are in Italy in these times? It says that it doesn't have anything to do with the buffalo. Sì, non ho capito di realtà. E dice, hai visto quanti più birrefici ci sono in Italia? Sì, sì, certo. Chiaramente, la birra è un prodotto molto di moda anche in Italia. L'idea di fare un formaggio affinato nella birra è stata quella di avvicinare un po' più il pubblico giovane a un formaggio, un prodotto che non è sempre così molto interessante per i giovani. Il matrimonio tra la birra e il formaggio credo che sia un matrimonio yeah. riuscito anche dal punto di vista del business. He said that um, for them they were thinking that to attract a younger crowd it was a cool thing to make a cheese and a beer so that might have a little bit more accessibility to people who aren't that interested in the overall cheese thing. Yeah, everybody loves beer. <laughs> um, just as a, as a not you though Michelle um, <laughs> I could get you there you know um, what are your thoughts just on uh, when you wa what are your thoughts on washing cheese in alcohol or in beer what, what did, because I mean I've sold a lot of washed rind cheeses and I've met a lot of cheese makers and their opinion varies but all of them seem to do it uh, what, what is the by soaking it in, in beer or by or washing, say, like, if you washed Quadrello di Bufala in beer, what would that add to the cheese? Would it add to the texture and the flavor? 
How, how would that help the cheese? Mi chiede come... Non ho capito bene la domanda, cioè vuoi sapere se lo metto sotto la birra? Sì, come può aiutare a sviluppare il formaggio? Allora, sì, noi il formaggio che affiniamo nella birra lo immergiamo completamente nella birra e questo ovviamente facilita l'ingresso della birra all'interno del formaggio e successivamente ci sono più di tre fasi nell'affinamento che non posso svelare ovviamente perché è un segreto che mi tengo per me. He said that they're not washing the cheese with the beer right now, they're actually submersing it totally okay. in the beer. Um, that's the way of doing this one. And then he said there are three other phases after that which he doesn't really want to share. No right worries, now. no worries. I get that completely. Um, well, I want to really thank you for your for your time. I know you've been busy, um, Bruno, and um, you know thank you for all of the lovely cheese that you sent us. Um, so if you haven't had cheese from Quattro Portoni, you better get out there and get some. And uh, thanks, Michelle, for your lovely job translating. My pleasure. Uh, have a great day. Yeah, this is Greg Baines signing off. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.